Uh, life can be like a roller coaster sometime. Today, I want to teach you how to ride. All right? You guys know what I'm talking about? So, we're in a series. It's called The Best Life Possible. This is part four. Uh, if you have missed the other weeks, pretty soon we'll get them on iTunes. You can catch up. Uh, last week's message, and I think the week before, we have out in the lobby and a little disc, a CD. So if you want to pick it up on the way out, those are free. You can grab one if you want to kind of listen to it, last week's message um, and the other messages before. But we're in the series, and I'm so excited about what we're talking about, um, the best life possible. See, it, it's, it's really the best life possible is about following the one who made life in the first place. This is kind of the idea that we believe that we have a, a God who created everything. He created you, he created me, he created the world, he created the universe, and it's awesome. And the more that we learn about our universe, the more um, incredible God is. As we look at the stars and the constellations and everything that he just created, um, it's, it's amazing. And so we have this worldview that we believe God created all these things and that he's, he's a good God. And so we say if, if we're going to live the best life possible here on earth, why don't we learn from the person, that, the, 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 the God who created all in the first place? So that's kind of where we're working from is saying, all right, we believe God has a specific way for us to live. And when we follow it, we find a lot of joy and we find life. We find a lot of good stuff. And so we only get one chance at this life. So why not make it the best life possible? Uh, this next week, you only get one chance at this next week. Why not make it the best week possible? And that's kind of what we're trying to say is what would happen if we can start uh, this conversation going on and saying, what does this look like? Um, we kind of get this idea in this, in this, in this series from uh, the scripture that, that Jesus and John, he said, I came, they may have life and life to the full. So if Jesus is the son of God, which we believe, and he comes from heaven to earth to be like a little baby, to live and walk and, and breathe and eat like us, why would he come in the first place? Well, he says, I came, let me tell you why I came. I came that they may have life, have it to the full. Um, another translation says, I came that they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. And so we take this statement that Jesus made and we say, all right, so either Jesus is telling us that his way is the best and, and he really is the son of God and we believe that or he's, he's a liar and he's crazy and we shouldn't follow him. And really, we only have a couple options here. Either he was crazy and he was lying and whatever he said is, is, is not true. Well, then why gather? Why meet? Why follow anything he says? Or he really is a son of God, and what he has to say, we should pay close attention because it's going to help us in our life. And so um, if Jesus is saying, I came, they can have life, then that must insinuate that there must be a way to live that is not true life and true living. So if you're new to church, maybe you haven't come to church maybe for a long time, maybe you don't really know anything about church, um, this is going to be a great message for you today because we're going to talk really about the heart of what God, through Jesus, has asked us to do and what he's asking us to do. And so he's saying, I've come, they may have real life as opposed to a fake life. Because a lot of things around us are fake. He say, no, I want, I want to give you something real. So the last few weeks, this is part four. So the first week we talked about seeing. We said that we need to allow God to help us see what he sees. The first week was really important in saying, we, if, if we're going to be able to have the best life that God says we can have, we need to have the right perspective. And what I talked about, I really challenged us as Americans not to think of the American dream when he's saying the best life possible. It's not having all the wealth having all the cars, having all the things that you can attain in life, that's not what we're talking about. He's saying the best life possible is different. Those things aren't bad, but if you get stuck on just that, you could miss what really he has, something more for you. So he said we need the first week was see. We need to see what God sees and the way he sees. And the second week was hear. If we're going to have the best life possible, like Jesus talks about, we need to hear what, what he's saying. And hearing is all about relationship. And see, here's, here's the thing with God. A lot of times God whispers. You know, sometimes he gets our attention by, by, by being loud and talking loud. But most, a lot of times, the most times I'm going to say he, it's a whisper that he's talking to us. Whisper is all about proximity, okay? That means you have to be close, to the, close enough to the person who's whispering to understand what they're saying. 
And we believe this is what God was doing in Jesus. He's saying, I'm a, I'm a God who speaks, but I'm looking for people who are going to listen. And then when they hear, they're going to do something about it. So we said you need to see, you need to hear. And then last week, Robert talked about what we need to do. It's proof that we understand by saying, all right, I hear what you're saying. I've seen what you're doing. Now I'm going to do and live it out. So today we're on part four. And this is what I want to say is why. Why does he want us to see, hear, and do? What, what, what is the reason behind all of this? So we took this scripture that where they asked Jesus, all right, so out of all the scriptures, and they, they pretty much said in the first five books of the Bible, it's called the Torah, which is the Jewish, kind of the, the, the five of the most important books in the Jewish um, mindset and in their world where Jesus grew up in. And so he said, all right, so one of the teachers of the law said, Jesus, out of all the, all of the commands, there's 613, he says, what's the most important? What's your bottom line? So if you're such a good rabbi and such, such a smart person, just break this down for us. Simplify the 613. And you know what he says? He says, okay, I'll simplify it. He quotes a Jewish prayer called the Shema, and he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. And he says, all the laws, the whole scriptures, they, they boil down to two things, loving God with everything you have and loving people. So I'm going to make it simple for you. All you have to do is love God and love people. So we take this and we say, so he's saying here, it's about relationship. Do is about loving people, loving, loving others. And he's inviting us into this relationship with him. So today we're talking about why. Uh, why is it important to see? Why is it important to hear? Why is it important to do what God is asking us to do? Uh, a few years back, um, my, my, um, my wife's family, she has a, we have some, some deaf family members in our family. So she has an older brother who's deaf and older sister. And then some of her uh, a niece and nephew are also deaf. Well, we get together as for, for birthday parties, and we, we have this thing that's called a celebration that's called, a part of the celebration is called a piñata. You guys familiar with the piñata? Yeah. yeah? All right. Does anybody not know what a piñata is? Because I will explain it. All right. We're all going. All right. So we have this celebration where we, we pull out the piñata. It's full of candy and stuff, and we get the grandkids out. We blindfold them and give them a stick or a bat, and they get a swing and try to find the piñata and break it open. Um, so we want to include everybody. Well, she has, in her family, some of her family is deaf. And this is not a diss on deaf. I love deaf people. I love her, my, 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 my in-laws. I love um, um, my family that are deaf. They're great people. Many of them so smart, done more things than I may ever do in my life, even, even though they're deaf. So this is not a diss. It's just to kind of help us understand something. So we, we let all the kids go, and, and we get to um, Emilio, who is one of the deaf uh, nephews of us, and, and we say, well, why not let him participate? That's good. So they blindfold Emilio, spin him around, give him the stick, and let him start swinging at the piñata. And so at first it's kind of fun, you know, the piñata's going like all the kids having a good time. Well, one of the small toddler grandchildren my, or, or nephews, they start walking towards the piñata. And so as the little child is walking towards the piñata, Emilio's trying to find the piñata swinging. Everybody starts screaming, stop, stop, there's a kid. And then everybody looks at each other and says, wait, it's Emilio. He can't hear us. So then everybody kind of goes into panic mode like, oh, oh no, what's going to happen? So out of the whole family, guess who's the brave one? My, my mother-in-law. Okay? She, she charges after the grandchild. She grabs him in her arms and, and goes around him. Or Emilio's swinging, everybody's still yelling, stop. And, and he, he hits something. He thinks, I just located the piñata. <laughs> and it's really my mother-in-law. And so he hits my mother-in-law and says, ah, there's the piñata. So he hits it again. And then the third time he's going up for a harder hit, all these guys tackle him. Poor guy. So he's on the floor. He's on the floor. All these people on top of him. And um, we get him up and take off his blindfold. He's like, what's going on? What happened? I found the piñata. You didn't let me stop. He hit it. And we explain to him what happened. He starts crying. He feels really bad. 
And uh, anyways, it, it's, it, we, we figured out in our family, because of our diverse culture and, 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 and what we have, we, have to, we, we incorporated different, different rules to kind of help maybe eliminate something like that in the future. So that we, they still participate. We still have fun. But here's, here's the point of this. I believe that in life, for every physical reality, almost every physical reality, there's a spiritual corresponding reality also. Um, we talked the first week about Jesus saying, all right, you guys are blind. You, 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 you claim to see the things of God and to see things, but spiritually, you're blind. And then at one point, he says, do you not hear? Are you deaf too? He's saying, all right, so, so he's not talking about physical sight and, 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 and hearing. He's talking about a spiritual sight and a spiritual hearing. And he says, are, are you deaf? Can you hear? In a spiritual sense. Um, so the reason I'm telling this story is because if, if we can't see the way God sees and we can't hear the things God's saying, we can guarantee that we're not going to do the things that he wants us to do. And let me tell you, let me say this. If you're a Christian, stop putting all of the, our beliefs on people that, are, that don't claim to be Christians. See, because if they can't see and they can't hear what we see, they're not going to do what we understand. And it's not fair for us to say, you should be doing all these things, even though you've never signed up for it. Does that make sense? As Christians, we're saying, I want to follow Christ. So we come under that, that authority and say, all right, we're going to see and hear and do what you want us to do. And with that, I guarantee you will have the best life possible. And we're going to talk about why this is true. If, if you're not a Christian and you're here and you're just visiting, let me encourage you and tell you. Um, some of this, you don't, have to, you don't have to even obey it because you haven't signed up for this. But if you are willing to look into your own life and say, all right, if, if this is really true, what, what he's saying about Jesus being God, and, and, and he, he made us for a specific reason, maybe I should pay attention to what, what, what's going to be said these next few minutes. Now, for us that are Christians, like I said, let's help people understand the love by, by us living it, and they'll see it. We'll give an example. Let's not, pretend, let's not put something over them they never signed up for, okay? Let's just love them. No matter what they have, no matter what they're going through, just love them, okay? So if you don't see the way God sees, you don't hear the way what God is saying, you're definitely not going to do what he's asking us to do. But Why? Well, I believe the reason is because it, 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 he offers the best life possible. See, the why is hidden, and, and the, the reason he wants us to see, hear, and do is it's hidden in there, okay? If you go to the next slide for me, it's hidden in the best. It's, it's B. God wants us to become something or someone, I should say, who he created us to become. B, he wants us to become something. The reason we're supposed to hear, see, and do is because he's trying to help us to become someone, someone he, he created us to become. In fact, he wants us to be more and look more and more like Christ. See, who you, are be, who you are becoming is more important than what you do. Who you're becoming is more important than what you do. And what you do is not greater than who you are. See, this is where the religious people in Jesus' day got, got confused. They were doing all the right things, and they still missed God. He said, you're blind. You're missing it. They were doing a lot of the right things, but there was something that was, that was missing there. God wants us to attain the purposes he created us for. See, in Jesus' teachings, if we, if we, um, we can just start, you know, I'm not going to read a lot of it, but I'm going to just kind of, in, in Matthew, one of his first teachings called the, the Sermon on the Mount, he comes out and he says, all right, you're going to be blessed, you're going to be happy if you're poor in spirit, because yours is going to be the kingdom of God. You're going to be happy if you learn to mourn, you'll be comforted. And he starts challenging a worldview of people who thought they had it all together. Religious people who knew the scriptures, memorized it, knew everything about God and what he did. They were even doing a lot of the stuff God was asking to, but they were missing it. He would go on to say stuff like, you've heard it said, but I tell you, this is what 
I want you to do. And over and over, and in fact, he even says, all right, so when you give to the, when you give to the needy, don't do it this way, do it this way. And he's trying to address a heart issue with the Pharisees and religious people. He's saying it's not just enough to do the thing. It's about what's on the inside of why you're doing it. It's about intention. It's about motivation. It's about um, understanding why this is happening in the first place. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Why does God want us to see, to hear, and to do the things that he's asking us to do? Because then we'll become the person he's wanting us to become. And it can't stop. We have to keep hearing. We have to keep seeing. We have to keep doing. So in, um, in, the, in the scriptures, I'm going to, get, I'm going to, I'm going to read a story. Um, but before we do that, we named our, our, our baby hasn't come yet. If you guys are wondering, we haven't had the baby. I would have announced it. Uh, my wife, she's getting close, ready to have, have our, our fourth little child, little girl. Um, she has a bigger sister that's named Aaliyah Constance. She's very significant to us because all of our kids, we've prayed and said, God, we want, we want to name our kid with something that, that is significant to, to help people understand your kingdom, but also it's going to help them declare something over their life. So for Aaliyah, um, there's just there's songs in the, in, the, in, in, in the Psalms that talk about going up the mountain, ascending. Her name means to ascend, all right? So it's, it's, it, Aaliyah is, is to ascend. It's kind of like this idea that God's way is this higher way, and, and there's this other way to live that's lower, that's just, that just doesn't bring a lot of goodness. It's, it's, there's a lot of death. There's a lot of suffering that comes with it. But there's a better way to live, and, and to, to attain it, you have to kind of ascend and keep, keep climbing. So Aaliyah is our, our daughter who, is, who ascends constantly. Or we could say it like this, it's a constant ascend. See, in 2 Corinthians, which I'm going to read a, a scripture this is our call. The reason we named her this is because we want a reminder for us personally that God is calling us to become someone. And we don't want to miss out on it. And the challenge is, is it doesn't just happen overnight. It's a constant ascend. To become the Christian, the people God wants us to become, we have to keep hearing what he hears, we have to keep seeing what he's saying, or hearing what he's saying, seeing what he sees, and doing the things he asks us. And as we do that, we'll find ourselves ascending to this higher way of living, Kind of this idea that we're becoming someone. There's this passage in 2 Corinthians 3. He talks about Moses, how Moses was this person that encountered God from the Old Testament. Um, Old Testament is, is kind of this, the, the first part of the Bible. And Moses was, was a man that God used to speak to a lot of people, the people of Israel. And so he had this relationship where God spoke to him. Like, like you could hear him. Like if you were in conversation, you could, he could hear him very clearly. And so... Um, he spoke to Moses, and Moses spent so much time with God that he began to reflect God's glory and goodness. So much that his face, his, his, his face would radiate with, with, with God's glory. He would, like, shine. And this freaked people out. So they said, would you please cover your face because it kind of freaks us out. So he would cover it with this veil, all right? Kind of hide it so people wouldn't be afraid. Well, in Corinthians, Paul is telling us, he says, Now where the, where, that the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And he says, we all with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory. He's saying kind of like we took this veil off and we're, we're, we're supposed to be like this representative to the world that lets, lets God's glory shine through us. And he says, um, we're being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. And this is where we got our daughter's name, Constant Ascend. Ever-increasing glory is this idea that we go from glory to glory to glory to glory. It's kind of this idea that Every single day as we seek and hear God more and more, we begin to reflect him more and more and more. See, my goal in life as, as a Christian, as a Christ follower, is that when people look at me, they begin to see less of Eric and more of Jesus in me. 
more of God in me, where they begin to say, man, something's different about that person. There's just something that radiates. I sense something. I feel something. So I've tried to follow Christ for a long time. And even I would encounter people, they say, there's something different about you. I don't know what it is, but there's something different about you. I know what it is. It's because I said, God, I want you to use my life. Man, fill me up like you've wanted to use people for a long time, to be able to be representative to people. And our call is to consistently becoming who God wants to become. That would be an ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is spirit. We become more and more like Jesus. That's the goal. That's what he wants us to do, that we become imitators of Christ. See, Jesus is trying to get the listeners to see from a different perspective. In his stories and his parables, he's saying, I want you to see something that you've been missing in life. You've been told from media it's all about this, but I'm telling you, it's really about this. And over and over, he says, all right, so over and over, you've heard it said this. Like one, he says, you heard not to kill somebody. Yeah, don't kill people. That's right. But I'm telling you, you have to go beyond just the, just the action of killing somebody to the intent and the heart of this, of this hate in, on the inside. Because he's saying that's where it starts. The more you hate internally, eventually it might lead to the action. And so he's saying, I'm going to help you see something a little different. It's not enough just to do the right things. It's about what's going on the inside. It's who you're becoming, your intentions, your motivations. So being is all about one thing, surrender. Everybody say surrender. surrender. This is hard, okay? Because every single one of us likes control. We like control. We get upset when we don't have control over things. It's hard for us. When we're in traffic and the people in front of us are going really slow and we're late and we don't have control of the situation, we get really upset, right? Becoming who God wants us to become starts with surrender. This is, this is key. This is important. The reason we've had this little um, stick figure up here with the hands lifted up is, is when we sing songs, one of the things we do is we lift our hands. It's, just, it's a symbol of surrender. It's also a symbol of celebration. You know, football games where somebody scores, you're like, yeah, it's awesome. It's letting go. It's not being afraid of who's around you. You're just kind of excited. But it's also a place of saying, all right, get your hands up, right? Surrender. Guy has a gun on you, put your hands in the air. I don't want you to make a sudden move. Just surrender. It's about saying, all right, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let go of whatever I'm holding on to. I want to teach you a little practice that might make this kind of um, maybe a first step to surrender for you. See, on the, on the video of the roller coaster in the beginning, uh, this, this actor, was, he's super scared, and Jimmy Fallon took him on this ride to try to, try to break him from his fear. If you notice his hands, all right, were like this. And if you looked at his knuckles, they were white, which means he was holding on as tight as he possibly could hold on. White knuckles in life means that you want a lot of control, and you're holding on to things, and it's your way or it's no way. See, this is a posture that a lot of us go through in life. It's all about me. It's all about me. I have control. This is me. And God is saying, if, if you really want to have the best life possible, you have to begin to trust me to let, let go. So I'm going to go down this next slide, palms down. Maybe a, 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 a physical way that you can represent what you're doing on the inside, because action is important, but the heart is, is more important. Okay? Palms down kind of has the idea of, God, I'm going to let go of whatever I've been holding on to. What are those things that you've been holding on to so tight that people have done to you that have hurt you? And you're saying, I, I'm angry, I'm bitter. I cannot forgive, I cannot let go. Those things, as much as you're holding them, they're holding you too. Palms down is saying, I, I release. All right, this week, God, I'm, I have a lot of things I have to face, school, work, whatever. 
I'm, I'm going to let go of all my concerns and worries. See, the Shema, the Jewish prayer, it was about this, saying, God, I invite you to be God in my life. Jesus' prayer, the, the, the Lord's prayer, is about saying, God, your kingdom come, your will be done. Whether, what, what he's saying throughout scriptures is saying, just release your agenda. Let go of what you've been trying to accomplish so much and trust me to accomplish something even better and greater. Palms down. It's about becoming something. So you have, we, all, we have free will. You can hold on to life like this. You can hold on to all the people I've heard you. You can carry them with you into your future for years and years. But one day you'll wake up and say, why did I drag the people that I, I, I don't like that have hurt me the most into my future? Or you could say, you know what? I'm going to release and begin to live in freedom. Where God is, there's freedom, that scripture said. When we begin to say, God, I release, I trust you. See, a lot of this is about trust. Next week, uh, Robert and I are going to have a conversation, kind of talk about um, his story, our story. It'll be kind of part two of today's, today's message. Man, if you know anybody that has maybe been addicted to something, has, has, has a substance, struggled with some substance abuse, invite them to come. This is going to be so good for them, um, and it'll be good for you. If you might not even, maybe you don't have these, these, some of these addictions. It's still going to be good for you. It's going to be great. So I invite you next week to come. But Palm's down is saying, I, I surrender. I want to let go. I let go. I surrender. And then Palm's up. Do this with me. Everybody put your palms down. I heard there's lawyers who will teach their, their um, witnesses when they go on the stand. If, if they will put their palms on top of their, underneath the, 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 the counter, their palms down. Actually, their palms up. Yeah, their palms up like this. It, it's it's kind of like a vulnerability. It's kind of being open. See, if, if you have your fist closed and somebody's asking you a question, you're more likely to respond out of out of action and gut. But if you have your heart hands open, you're more you're more willing to kind of say, all right, what's really happening here? What are they saying? Maybe maybe you're you're a boss. And you have to talk to people sometimes. Your employers employees. Man, when you talk to them, if you have your hands open, you might be willing maybe to hear their side of the story more. Or husband and wife, if you have this idea of, all right, I'm going to be open to whatever is going to come. There, there's one culture that says if, if, they, if, if a person comes in and puts their hand on top of yours like this, they're saying, all right, teach me. I don't understand what you're saying, so would you please explain this to me? It's, it's a sign of vulnerability of, of, of saying, I, I, I want to know what you're saying. Palms down is releasing, saying, all right, God, you know better than I do. Please help me with this. All right, I let go of it. I let go of my agenda. All this stuff that's going on at work, man, it's not fun to work here, but... Man, I trust you. Help me to get through this. Help me to have grace. Help me to have the things I need. And then Palms up is saying, all right, now fill me up with your patience, with your goodness, with your mercy, with, with everything that you have for my life. Palms down, release. Palms up. And the goal is this, eventually to get up to here saying, all right, I just surrender, God. I, I trust that you have something good for my life. It's like a roller coaster. How do you ride a roller coaster? Hands up. Surrendered. You have to get to a place where you say, all right, I'm on this. I'm all, I'm all in, so I'm just going to enjoy the ride. I'm in. Why, do a lot of, why are a lot of people afraid of roller coasters? Well, fear of dying, right? Which I guess is that there's a chance there, but it's really minuscule and small. Um, fear of the unknown, the, the speed. Well, if life can be like a roller coaster sometimes, and we believe Jesus is the master teacher, the master guy that, that taught us how to live, Man, he wants to show us how to ride this roller coaster. Palms down, palms up, arms up. But here's the thing. It can't just be action. It has to be intention. It has to be heart. And this is where the religious people of Jesus' day missed it. They were doing all the right things, 
And God was right in front of them, and they missed him. And he was saying, you're doing it for the wrong motives. You're doing it for the wrong reasons. And he's trying to teach them and help them to see something that they don't see. Let's go to the next. Let's go to the next slide for me. It's about heart, mind, soul, and strength. He says, remember, love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love others as you love yourself. It's about seeing and hearing. It's about overcoming spiritual deafness and, spirit, and, and spiritual blindness. Not being distracted to hear what he has to say. Uh, go to the next one for me. Uh, one more. So um, this is found in Scripture, Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. Paul is telling them, say, says this, follow God's example, or another way he says this, be imitators of Christ. As dearly loved children, walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So he says this idea that, that Jesus came to earth, and he, he surrendered, and he, he gave up all his rights from heaven as, as God, and said, I'm going to live like a man. I'm going to show people another way. And he, he surrendered himself and gave it even to the point of death. There's, there's this, there's this um, um, point where where Jesus is praying this prayer before he dies on the cross, and he says, God, man, if, if, if you can take this away from me, please take it away, but not my will, your will be done. And essentially he says, I release my agenda. I want to stay, and I don't want to die right now, but I trust you. And he says, I will do what you want to do, and he releases control. And he says, I know you have a better plan, and you're trying to do something here. And he gave his life up as a sacrifice. So, in in a... In a um, Ephesians 5, as, as it goes through this, be imitators of Christ as dear loved children, he goes on to say, as, as he's talking about being like Christ, he says, uh, among you, don't let there be even a hint of sexual immorality or impurity or greed, because these things are improper for God's people. Nor should there be obscenity or foolish talk or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For this you can be sure, these people will not inherit the kingdom of God. Let no one be deceived by your empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. He says, therefore, he says, you once lived in darkness, but now you're in the light. It's kind of like you used to be blind, but now you can see. So live as children of the light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. And he goes on to keep on saying, don't do these things, don't do these things. And he gets to verse 15, he says this, be very careful... Be very careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not be foolish. Remember, God has wanted us to become something, someone that he's designed us for. So he's saying these things are not going to lead to good, good things. They're going to always lead to death. See, why, why, is it God, why is it God is asking us not to do specific things like sexual morality? That, that, that's, that's, that's sex that's outside of, outside of a, a commitment between a, a marriage covenant between a man and a woman. Why is he asking us not to do this? Because he's trying to take away our fun? No. The Bible says that sin leads to death. It always leads to death. This idea of sin is that um, there's this guy who's shooting a bow and arrow and he's shooting at this target. The idea of sin is the guy shooting and missing the target completely. Off mark. Missing the mark. So sin is kind of like saying, all right, God, you designed and created me for a specific reason to shoot this target, to live on purpose, but I'm going to choose to go this way. And you shoot the arrow 
by following our, our desires. And here's the thing. Human desires, a lot of them can't be satisfied. You'll keep wanting more and more and more and more of whatever it is. And God is saying, please surrender the, the right to be able to shoot wherever you want and shoot in the direction I want you to shoot. That's where you'll find purpose. That's where you'll find joy. You'll find peace. So it's not that God is a mean God that's trying to take away all this fun stuff from us. In fact, the Bible says that sin is fun for a season. It's fun for a while. It feels good. But when it grows up, it produces death. Sin always brings death with it. So when we're sleeping around with people that we're not married to, adultery if we're married, or fornication if we're not, why? Because it's going to produce relationships that are going to be broken and things that are, it's not going to produce anything good. That is why he's saying, be careful. Man, understand what God is asking of you. Pornography, we can add this into this, this category. Why? It's just a picture on the screen. No, it objectifies a woman or a man. It makes them into an object rather than a person, which in our heart and in our mind degrades people to less than they really are. And it really sets us up for believing something that's not even true and real because it's fake. So why is God saying be careful of these things? Because they're not going to produce life. They're not going to produce anything good in our life. It's like shooting in all these different directions saying, man, when am I, what is life all about? I, I, I hate this thing. Got to say, no, would you just become the person I created you to become? Is it hard to say no to these things? Yes. Is it easy to say yes to a lot of these things? Yes. But is it worth it? Look down the road and ask this question. If I step in this direction, who am I going to become in 20 years and 30 years? When I'm 70 and I look back at my life, who will I have become? A person that hates everybody, that's full of greed and anger and rage? Because I don't want to be that person. Well, then God says, I don't want to be that person either, so don't walk down that path. Or in 70 years, can I look back and say, wow, that was really hard to say no to some of this stuff, but I'm free from a lot of hurt and regret. See, life is just hard by itself in general. Why, why are we making it harder by choosing to do something that's contrary to what, how God created us to, to, to live in the first place? See, God wants us to see the way he sees and hear the things he's saying to us and do those things because he wants us to become someone. You're becoming someone. Every single day. You're becoming more dark or you're becoming more light. You're becoming more love or you're becoming more hate. You're becoming something that's light in a sense of free, free or something that's really heavy that is bound by all these things. Every single decision you make is, is, is helping you become that person that you're going to become. And God says, I have a better way for you to live. Would you trust me? Can I tell you, personal experience, I do not regret trusting God as a teenager. It had been easy to sleep around with a lot of girls in my school like a lot of my friends did, but I didn't. I know some, some people have made that choice, and, and, and that's part of the repercussions that come with that. There's a lot of things that I don't have to regret because I said, God, I want to follow your way. I got teased for my stance. I was an outcast in some ways because of what I believed. But do I regret it? I don't. Here's the thing. There's moments in my life where I did choose things that weren't healthy and weren't good. And I regret those things. And they didn't produce things that were good. But the thing about God is he loves us so much that no matter what we've done, 
He says, you can have a new start today. So maybe you don't like who you become up to this point. Good news. You can start over. This is, this is what is so amazing about God. He's, he gives us a fresh start, a new start. He says, if, if you will just trust me, if you'll surrender, you can have a brand new start. They, they, Paul used scripture like this. You become a new creation. Jesus says, if you want to be part of the kingdom of God, you have to be born again. This idea that you are, you're, you're starting a new life. It's a fresh start. Why? Why does God want to see and hear and do? Because he wants us to become something that's beautiful, something that's going to give value to the world. If you follow your own desires all the time, you're going to look back and say, man, I have not added value to a lot of people, but I've only taken for myself. And you'll become lonely. But if you begin to say, God, I surrender. Let go of my agenda. Open my life to you. I surrender. You'll begin to find yourself that on this, this ride, this roller coaster ride of life, you begin to say, man, I'm actually enjoying this because this is helping me to make a difference in people's lives. So he goes on and says there, I urge you. Oh, Paul says in, in Romans, he says this, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. It's this idea that it's a daily routine of saying, today I surrender, I let go. A living sacrifice. See, through scripture, they talk about this idea of having to, having to sacrifice animals in the Old Testament to atone for sin and for our mistakes. The reason God died on the cross is to be able to do away with that and say, I'm going to give one last final sacrifice that will ever be needed to atone for your sin and mistakes. And he dies on the cross. So Paul's saying, therefore, um, offer your body as a living sacrifice. What he's saying is, you have to be this living sacrifice that crawls on the altar every single day. See, a living sacrifice is a hard thing because it can crawl off the altar all the time. One of the reasons they would, they would tie up the animals to sacrifice them is they couldn't, they couldn't get off. Paul's saying it's a daily process of saying, today I sacrifice. I mean, I, I offer my body as a sacrifice. I say, God, today use me for greater purpose, for greater reason. This is holy and pleasing to God. This is true and proper worship. It's saying, God, I release the hurt. I release my agenda. Fill me up. I surrender. Palms down, palms up. He continues on to say this in Romans 12. He says, Do not conform to the patterns of this world. This is all about seeing the way the world sees and about hearing other voices that aren't God's. But be transformed. Remember, God doesn't want us to become someone. Transformation is about, it's like a, a caterpillar that turns into a butterfly. Transformation is God taking this caterpillar and turning this into something beautiful by renewing your mind the way you think. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing will. As you do this and this and this on a daily basis, you're going to be able to see that, that, that target really clear. God is saying, live this way. Here's the path I want you to walk. Yes, your friends are saying, go this way. Media is saying, go that way. God is saying, would you trust me? Would you trust me? It's this idea that it's easy to go with the crowd. It's easy to go downstream. You just ride the, ride, the, ride the river. It goes down. It's hard to go upstream. It's hard to go against the crowd. And God's invitation is to say, I want to invite you to follow my lead. It's upstream. It's harder. It's more difficult sometimes. But it produces life. It produces life. Because here's what happens. If we miss 
seeing, hearing, and doing what God is asking us to do, we'll wake up to realize that we are somebody that we never were intended to be. And God doesn't want that. Who are you becoming? Who are you becoming? See, in Jesus' day, he told this story about these people. One day, we'll all stand before God and and give account for our life. It's called judgment, judgment seat. And we're going to say, all right, here I am. He says that some people are going to come to him and say, all right, God, we did all these things in your name. We cast out demons. We, we, healed, we prayed for the sick and they got healed. We, we fed the poor. He's going to say, who are you? I don't even know you. And he uses this word that says many people will come on that day and say, hey, we did all these things for you. We were doing the right things. And he's going to say, I don't know you. Who are you? Depart from me. The word he uses here is many, which is more than the majority, which is a very scary scripture for me as a pastor because that implies that as a Christ follower, I could still miss God's plan for my life and what his purpose was on life. If I get stuck on just doing the right things, but forgetting about becoming the right person. God wants you to become someone. And every single decision you make is leading you to become more like him or more like the things that popular culture tells us to be like. And those things are empty and they don't produce anything that's worth living for. So this week, this is kind of our challenge is, man, live the best life possible. Being starts with surrender. It's a daily process of saying, I want to become what you want me to become. Why, why, all this is, why is this also, all the, the scripture so important? Because he wants us to become who he created us to become. Our marriages will be healthier. Our workplaces will be healthier. Our country will be healthier. The way we handle finances will be healthier. If we will begin to say, God, I trust you. That your way, even though I don't understand it some ways, is going to bring life into, my, into me. It's going to help me see differently. So it starts this week. I challenge you. Try this. All right? Try for a week. I guarantee that if you open yourself up to say, God, I need help, he will help you. Throughout scripture, he says over and over, hey, test me. I'm going, to, I'm going to help you out. Do these things I'm asking you to do, and you're going to see fruit. But don't stop. See, I think the danger was the Pharisees, the religious people of Jesus' day, they saw God's miracles, or they heard about God's miracles, and they, they saw some of the cool things he was doing. They heard the scriptures. They heard the things that he did. They were doing the right things, but they stopped becoming the people he wanted them to become. It was enough for them just to show up to church. It was enough for them just to read their Bible. But when nobody was looking, it was a show. He called them hypocrites. He said, you put on this big show, but you're, you're, the inside is full of dead man's bones. He was saying, you're still dead, even on the outside you look alive. A lot of our popular culture, it looks alive on the outside, but if you look on the inside, you'll see it's full of dead man's bones. So God is saying, if you want to live the best life possible, man, become who I want you to become. And this is a daily... The good news is it's possible. The bad news for our culture, because we're the microwave generation, we're the instant gratification, the bad news is it doesn't happen overnight. But the good news is, today, you can start in that direction. And tomorrow, you can continue in that direction. And every single day, you walk further in the direction God wants you to, and you begin to find joy and purpose in life. So my challenge is this. Even today, maybe as we pray today, would you say, God, I've been holding on to stuff, and I release. I release today, palms down. And then you say, God, I need your help. Would you fill me up? Would you, would you do what you want to do in my life? And then you get to a place where you say, I surrender, and I trust you, 
Everything you have for me, I surrender. Would you do me a favor? We're going to close tonight, today. Would you, would you uh, just close your eyes? Let me bow your heads if you feel comfortable with that. At the end of the service, we like to give an opportunity for people that came that just want to say, you know what? You're talking about Jesus. And you're talking about how he has a better plans for my life and, and a better way of living. Maybe you're here today and maybe you don't recognize that you've been blind for a long time to maybe God and things of God and you want to have sight. I want to offer an opportunity for you to say, God, I, I need your help. And I'll lead you in a prayer that just, it's a prayer of surrender, saying, God, forgive me. Help me. Maybe you're here today and I've talked about some things and you say, you know what, I've been going on a path that's not healthy. I want to start a new, have a new start and go down the right path. I want to follow Christ. If you're here today, I want to lead you in a prayer. If that's you, would you do me a favor, just raise your hand. I won't embarrass you. I won't have you come down. But it's just, it's just saying, I, I want you to pray with me. I need help. Awesome. Very cool. A lot of you raise your hands. See, this is where it starts. Relationship with God starts with us acknowledging that we need him. But it's a relationship. It's an ongoing process where God is wanting to talk to us and speak to us. So if you raise your hand, I'm going to lead you in this prayer that just says, God, forgive me, and then invite him to say, God, lead me. Would you, would you pray this with me? Would you, others just kind of join us in this prayer? Say, Father, thank you for sending your son to die for me. Would you forgive me for my past, for my sin, for my choices that have taken me away from you. Help me to live the life that you created me to live. I invite you to lead. Show me the way. Help me to see the things you see. Help me to hear the things you're saying to me. Help me to do the right things. Help me to become that person that you created me to become. I believe you died on that cross for my sins. And I believe you're alive today. And that you have good plans for my life. So today I surrender. Today I let go. And I trust you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.